Welcome, adventurers. Hesed Moss has tested her wit against some unsavory characters, and though her ruse may have worked, its success may have come at a high price. Joel Rigetti's Speaking Stone Studio presents... Tales from the Dungeon The clatter of a cart came to a stop. Someone was yelling. The feeling of weightlessness. Of being lifted. More yelling. Jostling, and then the floating sensation ended abruptly with the impact of the ground. A flash of light. The smell of dirt. The clamor of a crowd. More yelling. The whispers of shock and dismay and then all was drowned out by the woman's voice. I have been patient with the town of Perkshire. I have burned no buildings, harmed none of its residents. Trusting your good nature would lead you to do the right thing, and this is how I've been repaid. Pain flared in Hesed's midsection with the impact of the woman's boot. She rolled to hands and knees, gasping for air. So this is it, people of Perkshire. This is your last chance. Hesed was wrenched to her knees, a hand entwined in her hair, something cold pressing to her throat. For the first time, she could see they were in the town square. A crowd stood at a distance, the baron's goons holding them at bay with drawn weapons. Hesed let out a cry as the grasp on her hair tightened and the blade broke skin, blood trickling down her neck. Hesed! She heard her father's cry from just out of her vision. A few muffled thuds and struggling. The crowd inhaled. Tears ran down her face. You have until the count of ten. The woman spat. One. Two. Three. Four. Hesed could hear the crowd in front of her, which had been dead silent beginning to murmur excitedly. Five. Six. Along with the murmur, she could see movement. Seven. Eight. The crowd parted, and where it had stood snare. Hesed's eyes went wide. Her stomach sank. Run. You were supposed to run. The gnome looked into her eyes a look of sadness in them, a look of defeat. He bared his teeth in a feral smile and raised his hands in surrender. The woman let go of Hesed's hair, pushing her to the ground. About God's damn time, she muttered under her breath. She stepped away from Hesed and toward the gnome. Hesed struggled to stand. People of Perkshire, hear me. I am Hesed Moss daughter of Zeligmos, the scholar of Perkshire. The woman turned, rolling her eyes, but making no immediate move. I have been all my life in this town, and if there is one thing I know about this town, it is that we care. We care about our work. We care about each other. 
but more importantly, we care about what is right. The crowd shifted. She could see faces drawing into somber looks, some standing a little taller, shoulders rolling back. In your midst stands a stranger. She pointed to Snare. You know nothing of him, but I do. I know he is not perfect. I know he has made mistakes. But I also know he has paid for them, paid for them in ways that would break your hearts. The woman's face had turned cool, and she began tapping her foot. Her glare promised pain, but she let Hesed continue. It was clear she viewed this speech as no threat, almost as if she would enjoy it all the more when it fell to silence, and she had her way all the same. Hesed continued. So here we all stand, on a day that will be remembered long in the history of Perkshire, for we stand at a fork in the road. If we go one way, this imperfect man will be given over to these hooligans to suffer an unimaginable fate. And Perkshire will be safe, for now. I say for now, because we will have laid down and shown our bellies, shown we are weak, shown we are to be trod upon whenever a few blades ride through town and demand our submission and obedience. If we give up this man, never again will the town of Perkshire hold its head high. Never again can we say we care about what is right. For what is right is not only right for those who dwell in Perkshire, but is right for all people. The brown-haired woman's face had settled into a terrifying smile, dagger clasped firmly in her hand. Hesed could see in her eyes. She was dead as soon as she stopped talking. If you choose that road, people of Perkshire, I cannot go with you. These people have no authority other than the threat of violence. They care nothing for us. These people work for the Baron of the Mummer's Fair, and they use his very tactics. They treat us as less than them, seek to break our spirits. And as my father once told me, people who do that are not people at all. They are monsters. So I ask you now, people of Perkshire, Will you not come down the other road with me and defend this stranger, defend what is right, and fight off these monsters? Hesed's words stopped, and there was silence. Two beats passed. Four. Six. The woman's smile widened, and she took a step toward Hesed. Hesed closed her eyes. She had failed. There was a thud and then another, and then a roar. Hesed's eyes popped open to a scene of chaos. The woman was struggling to get back to her feet, bleeding from her temple. A fist-sized rock lie just next to her. There was no edge to the crowd any longer, but instead a writhing mass of bodies. There were yells and cries. As she looked, she could see Willabin Dunn struggling to hold one of the thugs while Tenzin Grace beat him with her fists and feet. She caught sight of Mr. Vellon, the tailor, with a look of ferocity on his face she had never seen before, as he rushed into the fray, brandishing a pair of scissors. She looked all around. It was like standing in a forest during a windstorm, all motion and sound, the sense that a tree might fall on you at any second. And in a moment she was grabbed, 
grabbed in the fierce embrace of her father. He couldn't speak, just hold her tight. She felt the tears on his face. When he looked on her, she could tell he was many things. Afraid, angry, proud, relieved. She could tell he was struggling not to scold her. Words only go so far. At some point, there must be action to prove the words, or they are nothing more than ink on paper, nothing more than a shaped breath. Hesed said quietly. She put a hand on his cheek. A wise man taught me that. Did he mean it? Her father's tears started anew, lips puckering. The fear and anger fell away from his expression. Only pride remained. He nodded one strong nod and pulled her back into his arms. Just like a windstorm, the commotion eventually died down, replaced with the sounds of excited conversation, people checking on one another, the call for the constable and for bandages. Tenzin found her next and Willibin soon after. Willibin had a swollen eye that was already starting to bruise. Tenzin had several cuts on her forearms. Both were talking so fast she couldn't make most of it out. Was she okay? Was she crazy? That was amazing. Did she see Mr. Velen and his scissors? As they yammered on, taking turns hugging her in between questions, Hesed's gaze reached out and finally found him. It was hard to tell after all the commotion, but it seemed he had not moved a step. Snare stood a look of utter bewilderment in his eyes. Their eyes met, and Hesed's face warmed with a big smile. Tears formed in the corner of Snare's eyes. His lips peeled back to reveal a canine-like grin. The aftermath of the day's events unfolded quickly. All twenty of the Baron's thugs had been taken alive, though they had gathered a fine assortment of cuts bruises, and broken bones. Mrs. Amari had been all too glad to let part of her warehouse be converted into a temporary holding cell, for the constable's office only had room for eight, and had never in recent memory hosted more than four. There was no shortage of volunteers to keep watch, ensuring none would escape. Though that was happy news, best of all was, even though many wounds were received, None of the citizens of Perkshire had been killed. So shocked by the turn of events, so overwhelmed by ferocity and numbers, most of the Baron's people did not get more than one or two swings off before being overwhelmed, pummeled, and restrained. Worst off was old Thelma Vassar, who had been near run through, but by some miracle the blade had missed every vital organ. She was resting in bed now, and her bravery or madness, depending on who you asked, was being discussed only slightly less than what Hesed herself had done. A town meeting was held that very night in which the following decisions were made. The ruffians would be taken south at first light to the city of Cumbershall and presented to the high magistrate for her judgment. Further, the accompanying envoy was to request assistance and supplies for the outfitting and training of a standing town militia. Over five hundred peoples volunteered for service on the spot, more than a quarter of the town's population. There was little interest in being bullied further. 
They had had their taste, and the bitterness was fresh in their mouths. A motion was put forth that Hesed herself should be the first leader of the militia, which was greeted with ruckus cheers and cries of moss, moss, and eyes of assent. Sensing the will of the crowd and a job about to be thrust upon her, Hesed quickly thanked them all, but declined. She was proud and happy to continue to serve the town as the owner of the second largest general store, though unbeknownst to her, it wouldn't be second largest much longer. The meeting was adjourned in high spirits and an impromptu night of revelry to outdo any festival that had taken place in the past sprang to life. The citizens shared food and drink, made a large bonfire in the town square, and danced and talked late into the night. It was all more than a bit overwhelming, and the day's events had taken their toll. So it was that Hesed found Snare, and despite his protests, insisted he must come and stay at least one night, to have a decent meal, and for God's sakes, clean up some. The protests ended as Hesed calmly reminded him he owed her his life. A night's meal and a bath seemed only a fair payment. The gnome flushed, but could not argue. The meal was plentiful, and they did not cook it. Dish after dish of food, bottles of wine, and casks of ale were all brought in by way of thanks. Tenzin and Willoughbyn stood at the door for bells receiving the goods turning well-wishers away. The mosses were most grateful, but they were also tired and needed their rest. Surely they will be about the town tomorrow. When the meal was done, Hesed heated bath water and glared at Snare until he agreed to bathe. And wash with soap as well, she had insisted. The gnome returned her look with flat-lipped disapproval, but grabbed the bar of soap as he stomped away. When he was clean, her father had provided him with a simple but new set of clothes and a warm wool cloak. Snare accepted them with a gracious nod. They all sat before the fire for a spell, her father reading a book. Hesed moved to sit before Snare on a stool, a comb in one hand, and quietly asked, May I see them? Snare's face wrinkled in confusion. May I see the beer drinks? Snare's face flushed. He seemed to draw into himself, his eyes going slack. The fire crackled. Hesed could see her father looking over the edge of his book. After a bar, Snare's eyes came back, focusing on her face. She sat quietly, hands in her lap. Without looking away, his hand went to a small pouch at his side. He untied it deftly with one hand and then passed it over to Hesed. She held it, looking at him still. He gave a small nod. Hesed opened the bag and carefully poured out the contents into her hand. Twelve ornate silver rings spilled out. They were tarnished. Hesed stood, placing the rings on the mantle, went into the store, and returned with a cloth and a small can. She handed these to Snare. Retrieving the rings from the mantle, she gave him these as well. He looked at her. Hesed popped the lid off the can, took the cloth back, and then one of the rings. She dipped the cloth in the polish and then rubbed the ring vigorously. Looked at it once, rubbed again, and repeated the process until the ring 
shone bright once again. Hesed kept the ring and handed the cloth back to Snare. Eleven more to go. They gestured to the remaining pile. Snare squinted his eyes and then reached down, beginning to polish the next ring. As he did, Hesed reached out the comb until it gently touched the gnome's beard. He flinched back. Hesed held up the newly polished ring. Don't you think they'd look better out of the pouch? She didn't think he would reply at first, but then, ever so slightly, he jutted out his chin. Hesed reached out the comb again. He did not pull back this time. For the next bell, Hesed combed Snare's beard, braiding the rings into it. When she finished, she retrieved a mirror and let the gnome look at himself. I think Ford Beer would approve, Hesed said quietly. Tears formed again on Snare's cheeks as he looked to her and nodded. They had slept late, as had much of the town of Perkshire. Papa had told her before bed they would open late and that he would make visits to the day's deliveries, even though it was her turn. Though she had tried most of the night and the better part of the morning, Hesed could not convince Snare to stay any longer. Too dangerous. Have troubled the town of Perkshire enough. He had scrawled down on the slate. So Hesed had made a pack of rations and filled the water skin. They had walked south out of town and now stood in the road. People had waved and whispered as they passed, but none stopped them. Hesed kneeled. Where will you go? Hesed asked. Snare shrugged and then scribbled. Best if you don't know. Hesed frowned, but then nodded. You have a lot inside of you, my friend. A lot that needs to be thought on. I understand why you are moving on from this town. But no matter how many towns or cities you travel to, no matter how far you go, you are never going to outrun what is in there she said, putting a finger to his forehead. Or there. The finger moved to his chest. Someday you will have to stop and face it. Someday Snare will have to stand up for something. Snare's face took on a flat expression, eyes looking past her. But those are your trials to face, and in your own time. Hesed followed up. I, for one, am glad that our paths crossed, or I may have never known what strength was inside me she said, smiling. I hope you find that strength one day, and I hope one day you will come back to Perkshire and tell me of the journey. Hesed leaned in and gave him a hug. Snare stood awkwardly frozen for a moment, and then he reached out, returning the embrace. As they parted, Snare scribbled on the slate one more time. I can never repay you for what you have done. I should have never let you risk your life for mine. Please forget me, Hesed put a hand on his cheek. All are worthy of a chance at redemption. All should be loved. And no matter what, I will never forget Snare like the rabbit trap. Hesed stood. Snare looked up at her, expression unreadable. He stepped close, handing her the slate in chalk. It slipped from her hand a moment, and they bumped into each other a bit, both trying to grab for it. When she had recovered the slate, the gnome swung his pack on his back, nodded once, and then turned to walk down the road. 
as it watched until she could no longer see him. She let out a sigh. She looked at the chalk in her hand for a few beats before reaching to place it in her vest pocket. As she did, her finger felt something inside. It was cold and hard. That's funny. I don't remember putting anything in my vest, she thought. Her fingers left the chalk and removed the item. It was an ornate silver ring. A beard ring. Hesed smiled, squeezing it in her hand as she turned back to Berkshire. So often in a world of powerful magic and daring heroes, we forget about the power of everyday people, the power of love and acceptance, the power of standing up for what is right, even though we are afraid. A huge thank you to Dimitri Ryaboy for giving me the idea of Hesed's story. Stay tuned next week for the beginning of the final story of Season 3, Dreams and Nightmares. Hello to the good listeners, one and all. Uh, we just finished listening to my wife's favorite story of all the stories I've written so far. So I uh, hope you liked it as well. And as always, I'm just here to say thank you so, so very much for listening. I did want to say that if you're still here at episode 44, uh, something that you could do to help me out would be to run over to iTunes and drop a drop a favorable rating for me five stars would be awesome and if you write something it would be amazingly amazingly awesome so those ratings really uh let other people know that this show is around and uh worth a listen so if you're here after all these episodes that's hopefully because this show is worth listening to so go ahead if you have that extra moment uh and uh, drop those reviews drop those five stars and would help me out immensely but we're here to say thank you to you. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week.